I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, fresh edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. We are just one week away from the end of the Celtics regular season. Their playoff path is very much coming to the focus. We can spend a quick second on that if we want with Ryan Bernardoni. Joining me today, as usual, as a guest co-host here on the Winning Plays Pod, make sure you're following him on Twitter at DangerCart. This episode of the Winning Place Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Head on over to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get your first no-sweat first bet. The bulk of this pod is going to deal with a nice little curveball. Uh, the, the CBA has been agreed to by the Players Union and the owners. Uh, it has to be written out. I's have to be dotted. T's have to be crossed. But it is going to be eventually a done deal. There are a lot of details that are coming out from that uh, that obviously will affect this other law in the future. But the big one involves the guy that's front and center, Jalen Brown, and his contract situation. Ryan, how are you? And where do you do you want to talk about the team first? Or you want to get right into the meat with Jalen here? Where, where, you you pick the path. We may as well do a few minutes on on the team first, right? I, I think, as you said, it's becoming pretty clear uh, where things will end up with. Not just the Celtics' own results, but with some of the other ones, you, you know, yesterday the Bucks beating the 76ers and things like that, where I uh, I think it would be shocking if they're not the two seed at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what the path is to the one seed. They have to the, the path they have to, have to win out. Bucks would have to lose. Yeah, Bucks would have to lose two and two. Yeah, and then but they're if you look at the games remaining, like that's not going to. Yeah, they may lose two games if they in under the circumstance of the Celtics have already lost the game. And so they just right. rest everybody at the final game or something like that. But it's, it, it's not going to work out where there anything other than the two seed, I think. And um, they can lock in no worse than the two seed if they, if they beat the 76ers tomorrow, but even if they don't, they have to win one game somewhere and that's not going to be a problem. So um, that's looking pretty well locked in. And, and now we're down to three teams for two spots for the first play in game or, you know, for the seven, eight playing game. So it'll be, either the Heat, the Hawks, or the Raptors, right? I mean, I guess there's some mathematical possibility of something else, but that's, like, again, overwhelmingly likely at this point, I think, right? Yes. So it's the Bulls, I think, have a very outside shot of sneaking as an eight, uh, but they look, they have a very, they're, they're, they're game. Actually, they're not, that's not too crazy. They're only a game back of the Hawks it, and the Raptors, so they could okay. sneak in there. The problem um, is two games. You have to jump two teams, and it, yeah, it's just, it, it's, I would say it's unlikely, uh, highly right. unlikely that it's anybody else. Because then they would also have to win that game. So the Bulls, uh, like mathematically possible. I think also it's possible there there could end a three way tie for sixth, where the Nets would end up back in. But again, that like that's even much less likely than 
than the Bulls moving up. Uh, that has to be like a kind of crazy situation um, for the the Nets to end up in the the tournament. Right. So it, looking very much like it'll be one of those three teams. They tried to yesterday. They almost gave that game away against Utah. Um, no, I've never not giving doing... that game away against Utah. Who's ever done that before? Right. I mean that that that's not going to come back to bite the Celtics. Um, but Kelly Olynyk missing a buzzer beater um, to do his squad old squad a favor if if they wanted Brooklyn to be a potential. Uh, in the playing tournament, but that that's not happening. So I guess my question for you is this: is this the worst possible path for the Celtics? Just kind of getting ironed out here, assuming Miami wins um, that seven eight game, assuming that they're going to you know stick in that seven slot. They have the two game lead there. Um, they're they've been up and down of late as they've been all season. But is this given the the five teams in play for the for the a possible first round matchup at this point? Is that is this the the, the worst possible scenario kind of unfolding here in your mind? I guess marginally. I mean, I don't, none of those teams are particularly special, right? I mean, the, the problem with the heat is that they just can't score. Like they've got the, other than the five, the four tanking teams that have just been tanking for, for a while now, they have the worst offense in the league. They by far have the worst offense of any of the playoff teams. And I, I it's just hard to, I, I understand that they've got, you know, Butler and Adebayo and Lowry and guys who have done it in the, in the playoffs before, uh, just it's hard to see how they're going to be able to score enough. I mean, they play such a small backcourt, um, you know, because it hasn't even been Lowry starting just to try to juice their offense. And that combination of not even being able to juice their offense enough and then also being pretty attackable in the backcourt, you, you would think that the Celtics should win that series in, you know, pretty easy fashion. Anyway, and if you don't, then as we've talked about before, like it, it doesn't really matter. If you don't think they can beat the Heat pretty handily in the right. first round, then like you don't really think they're going to make it that far anyway. So first round, it is what it is. Uh, I don't know if the Sixers are the worst matchup in the second round. Uh, like, I don't know if they're a worse matchup than the Cavaliers. And I know you can look at it and say, well, the Cavaliers are the sort of new team coming together with a lot of, with built around some younger players who haven't done it, this and that, but like they have done it with Mitchell, um, who has done and they've it. they've played the Celtics a lot better than the And they've played the, the Celtics better. <laughs> Statistically, on some of the, you know, the normal indicators, point differential and things like that, they're better than the Sixers. Now, the Sixers, when they're healthy, where, you know, I, but again, I think that it's sort of marginal differences between those two teams, marginal differences between if you're facing the Nets or the Raptors or the, or even the Heat. Um, the playoffs are supposed to be hard, right? That, that's kind of where I land on it. The the big difference of potentially game sevens and where they land and having to maybe go to Milwaukee for a game seven or something like that is, is probably a bigger deal. Not being able to close the deal and, and catch them on the, or, or, you know, make up the difference and catch them on the one seat either way. Um, it feels like a missed opportunity, but in terms of getting that far, either you're going to make it that far or you're not. And if you, if you really think those teams are going to beat you, then it doesn't really make a difference. You, it means you're saying that you don't think the team's all that good anyway, right? 100%. Um, and it's funny, though, the Heat, out of those five teams I listed in play, they have the worst point differential yeah, the, the of those five right? this year. And the Celtics well. now have have the best point differential in the league by quite a bit. By a lot, it's yeah. Over a, over a point now over the Cavs, Cavs are second, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's two and a half points more than than even the Bucks even yep. with their, their big win streak. That, that's, you can look, look at that and say, well, that's been juiced by the fact that they won't, you know, had like a, a four out of five huge blowout wins with, with a blowout loss in the middle of it. But like blowing out teams at the end of the season is a pretty good way to go into the playoffs. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we've gone back and forth on whether or not they're a contender or not. They clearly are a contender where they are, how you feel about it. Like if they're healthy, that's always been sort of where I've, where I've landed, right? Like if healthy tier one contender, if not, not right like if they're missing rob if they're obviously jason and jalen that's a that's obvious that if they're missing one of them then then that's a problem but if they were to lose 
Horford or or Rob, then it's like, well, immediately they're probably not a tier one contender anymore. Uh, but right now they're healthy and and are playing in the games that that they care about. Um, they certainly look like like they'll be able to maneuver through these these playoffs pretty well. And that if they lose, it'll be more about getting beat than it will be about not being a good enough team to begin with, which is that's all you can really ask for going in. Well, on the we'll see. All, all it takes is one win or one loss by the Sixers to to clinch that number two seed. And then after that, it's bubble wrap time for Rob Williams. Yes. Bubble wrap time for Al Horford um, to some degree. And honestly, probably, probably for everyone, anyone who is yeah. any kind of nicked up at all. Um, they're they're going to play those guys, at least I'd imagine. And well, they'll, they won't play the back-to-back, but they'll probably play one of the final two games. But they uh, hopefully, particularly with Rob, that's just uh, you. You play him for you know just to keep his conditioning up a little bit, and then, then pull the plug quickly. I would I would hope that's the game plan. I expect them to 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 sign somebody at the very yeah end no no yeah they'll right. sign somebody on price sign Sunday somebody right for the last day or last couple of games of the season with a non guaranteed contract for next year. So the tax hit will be minimal this year because it'll be only for a couple of days worth of salary. But then next year. And the promise for that player will basically be, well, we might have to trade you. And if we have to trade you, we're going to guarantee your salary. And so you right. get a nice big <laughs> payday next year. That's actually the sort of, we talk about CBA things. That's one of the big changes of the last CBA, right? Is that you have to be guaranteed salary to, to be salary matching in a trade. And so you expect that whoever, and whoever that player is might play 48 minutes in the, in the season right. finale, <laughs> uh, assuming that they're locked in on that Tuesday. It may just be like, here you go, go out there, take all the shots you want <laughs> in your, in your one Celtics appearance. Um, because it'll it'll really just be and it's weird because you have the playing games and so there's this extra gap in between you don't necessarily want guys sitting around for that amount yeah. of games but when you're talking about rob and al i mean jason's going to want to go out there and play 38 minutes a game no matter what but for the guys who are more concerned for those sorts of things it's like uh even tatum will we'll sit the last game i'm sure if it's locked in but um yeah it'll be nice to get to get to get as close to fully healthy as you can to start the playoffs because a fully healthy team if they can stay healthy for you know for that month and a half or two months is um is a threat, obviously, uh, maybe the favorite to, to win the whole thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. And I mean, Rob hasn't been healthy entering a postseason in never probably three or four years, maybe since he wasn't playing in right? the bubble. I, mean, since he, I think since he the, wasn't in the actual rotation. Then he was right? healthy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, when he was like, you know, I remember he'd come in early in that um, was against Toronto in the bubble, and he would just like score twelve points in the quarter, coming off the bench in the time, backing up Tice. Um, so yeah, that uh. They'll hopefully get try to get him to back to that level here, um, and we'll see. They'll have plenty of time to gear him up for that. But yeah, that's a that's a loose game plan. We'll we'll get, we'll dive much more into the 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 head to head stuff um, in the first round as we as things finalize. But we have a week until that happens. So in the meantime, to kill time between uh you know between these mostly meaningless games and the regular season and before the start of the playing tournament, uh, NBA new CBA agreement. It's not official. Hasn't been signed, approved by both sides yet, but looks like to be a pretty done deal. Uh, there's leaks all over the place uh, in terms of what's in it. Um, from what I heard, it's actually not even 
you know, they're, they're kind of figuring this out as they go right now um, in terms of the, the deal stuff. So huge caveat in terms of what we're going to talk about here uh, as far as how it applies. But I think the big one, Ryan, that every all Celtics fans are care about is the extension rule that has changed. Um, it's right now, Jalen Brown had a pretty much 0% chance of signing an extension this offseason to the Celtics if he didn't make all NBA because he'd be costing himself at least $20, $25 million off a max contract if he did that. He might make All-NBA anyway now. We can get into that a little later in the discussion. But the the big change now is that with the extension rules um, changing for this upcoming summer, the Celtics can offer him a max regular contract this summer if he doesn't make All-NBA. And so whether or not he will think, even think about taking that is a discussion to be had. But it certainly... Uh, is good news for the Celtics in terms of figuring out where they stand with him. And, um, and we'll add a little bit of strategic uh, planning on both sides, potentially in terms of how they handle the situation. But first off, what do you, what do you think about that role change in the civic and how it applies to Jalen? As a, so as a general rule, I, it's not my favorite change um, for a couple of, well, it's not my favorite change because of what I think is good for the league. Um, and I think that, the volume of extensions that have been signed over the last couple of years has probably like on, on aggregate been good for the league. I think extensions are, are generally good. There are reasons to disagree with that, but I think extensions have been good. And the 120% line seems to have been a good leverage point where it's enough for players to say, yes, if you give me all of that, I will sign an extension and it's low enough for teams to commit to doing the extension. And so it has led to a number of extensions, including some on the Celtics um, with, Marcus and Rob being two of them. Uh, and so I think from that perspective, it's been good. And the expansion to 140%, which is what they're changing it to, they're saying it's you can sign an extension starting at 140% of the salary in the last year of the contract that you're extending might put them in a place where, and negotiation is good, having options is good, but we've seen a lot of times in these negotiations, like not having the ability to negotiate and not having options has just simplified things to the way where it's gotten some business done. And when you're talking about people who are making $10 million a year and billionaires, like, do I really care where the extra million dollars is going? Not really. All the players get all the money in the end anyway. They get all the money that they're entitled to as a group regardless. So if this player gets this 1% more or 4%, less, it doesn't, it, the players as a whole get it anyway. So I don't really care. Um, and I worry that the expansion to 140% will make some negotiations um just sort of die in that range where the player is asking for the whole full 140 and the team is mm -hmm. no longer willing to go to it. So we'll see, but that's speculation. I don't really know. Uh, I also think that in terms of the players who get most focused on this, the guys who you're talking about wanting to be able to max, if you look at the players who are currently in that conversation, the only one who it matters for is Jalen. The other players, Sabonis, DeJounte Murray, they don't make enough where this is going to make a difference in their calculations. Yeah. Um, so you're really talking about like one player. And it's funny that the team that has three people on the NBPA leadership gets a rule in that impacts like the one player on their yeah. team, <laughs> uh, which I don't think that's what happened. But like in previous CBAs, but there were to be fair, this is applied to by the leadership. Right. This has applied to like a lot of guys. Oh, of have. I mean, so like yeah, this is absolutely. right. It is. But it is, it is funny. You're right. It is comical that this is the only guy that yeah. it actually applies to for like next summer. For that particular calculation of getting to a max, it really only matters for Jalen. And this is not an when when like Chris Paul and LeBron James were like, we are leading this thing and we are changing the over 36 rule to an over 38 rule because we know how old we are. 
um, which was like blatantly what was happening in in that change in the last round. This is is something that is very much more generic. It's just a bit ironic that it's like the majority or the uh, a good part of the leadership of the NBAPA gets this rule through, and then it very specifically impacts one one player on their team. Um, and so, just on the math side, right? What it does is that it it gets them to Jalen could sign for his. 30% of the salary cap max if the salary cap comes in at where it's currently projected. Now we've had some recent years where the actual number came in a decent amount different than the projection, even like the late season projection. If you're things like in the past last year, right, where they were saying, well, just having an extra two games in golden state in the playoffs added $500,000 to the salary cap, right? Like you, you get some things that can happen in the playoffs that can, can skew the numbers. But if the salary cap comes in where it is now, Jalen's max would like his, 140% max would be just above where his max would be for that salary cap. If the salary cap were to jump from there, it might end up being just below it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some caveats to that, that we can talk about related to incentives, but that's the starting point. Right. And so I think as I think you use the right term for it, right. And maybe you want to pick it up from there. You say that it would clarify things. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that they will sign a contract, but sign it or not would clarify things for the team. Right. It, it, it kind of it i think it opens up a bunch of questions that i'm that i'll kind of go we can go through quickly here that i think there is a lot of it is uncertain for the future but from the Celtics perspective i think this helps a lot since number one it like opens up the question of being like okay right now say jalen misses out on all nba this summer the Celtics can have conversations with jalen but they don't really know where he stands and as far as like would he just re-sign for a regular max extension offer? There are reasons to and to do not do that, but now they can at least have the answer being like, would Jalen turn down a regular max extension? And they can answer that question this summer, assuming that they hit that 40, 40, 100, you know, assuming the numbers line up, like you kind of lined out there. I think that's an important thing for you. I think it's a very valuable thing. for the years. It's obviously very valuable for Jalen to potentially get that money locked up. Um, if he's, willing to take it if he's not willing to bid him on himself for more. But I think just answering that question in the order of operations as soon as this summer is uh, a good thing for the Celtics. Yeah, it, it does muddy the waters on some things, right? You can't, you can't delude yourself entirely if he says no. You have right. to say, okay, what, what does that mean? Now he can come back and say, listen, I was... I was seventh on all NBA out of six, right? Or whatever number he comes in in the voting. I'm going to bet on myself that I can make all NBA next year. And frankly, he would know that at his age, even if he were to get a relatively significant injury next year, that somebody would max him anyway. Probably the Celtics would max him anyway, coming out of that season at the 30% that he's eligible for right now. So there's probably not a lot of risk. There's some amount of risk. You could have a catastrophic injury, you know, Um, but there's not a huge amount of risk in playing it out to see if he makes all NBA anyway. And it would be a completely reasonable thing for him to come back to the team and say, I appreciate that you made me the maximum that you can offer. I think we both understand the situation. I'm going to play it out next year. I'm not, I don't want to leave. He could say all those things privately, whatever he wants, but it's, he would not be the first player to say that. And then, you know, something changes during the year or he just decides he wants something different. Right. So if he doesn't sign it, you, you have to consider what that means and and how you have to operate because you can't let another max salary walk out the door necessarily. Um, So it's, it's both clarifying and a little scary. 
it it because it makes it him saying no to that like you said which he has every reason to do it's it's funny that he's gotten to a level now i think if we had this conversation six months ago eight months ago and we we're like jalen's gonna turn down a regular max extension to bet on himself for a supermax we're like whoa like he'll get a max but is he at a level of player where he can like be willing to risk that uh the injury or just a for the off chance that he could make this that be able to become eligible for that supermax his season's been good enough here where that's like he's at a level now it's probably like yeah like he he probably feels pretty good pretty comfortable in terms of where he is in this prime to with the the injury risk is there the the drama that will be surrounding him all season long if he says no to that offer will be there there's no doubt about that um but if he does want to maximize earnings um there's an easy way to do that if he thinks if he's not if he thinks the risk for himself is just that minimal um uh in terms of turning down that regular max extension uh this summer if if that's the actual offer yeah yeah and you 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 would think that how these playoffs play out would also impact things right if sure. they were to win the title where would that put both parties if they were to come close if they were to bow out early you know what what does all that mean in terms of both the calculation for for the player and the team uh, he's been really good uh, particularly in the second half of the year when when Tatum hasn't been up to the level that he was playing in the first half of the year and probably the you know one of the big reasons why they're looking at the two seed instead of the three seed is because of um that he kept them afloat a little bit in in some of those um moments where things weren't clicking for the rest of the team and he's been quite consistent in terms of at least you know his scoring load um and and yeah he's now landed on that line of like not clearly all nba but also not out of the question and so where do you fall in that calculus of 30 percent or 35 percent? and like i said i think it just leaves you in a situation where um he has he has a lot of leverage because he just simply knows that next year like 27 28 whatever how old would he be when he actually hits free agency um 27 wings, like... scoring wings of that age um are gonna get plenty of money no matter what happens right like he could miss 40 games next year he could miss even maybe even more than that next year and come out of it and still get a, a pretty big offer as long as it's not something that's looks debilitating at the end of the season, right? Like he can be confident in himself that he, that that 180, some $190 million is going to be there no matter what. Uh, and that does give him, give him that opportunity. It's just like this team has obviously had the Kyrie Irving situation, Gordon Hayward leaving, like you, Al Horford leaving the first time you, you have to look at it and say, especially with a lot of the other changes that are coming in, apparently coming in to the CBA about how it will become more difficult to add outside talent to teams that already have high payrolls. Um, and well, it's just a difficult situation to, to be in. It's a, I, I you have to say it's a better one than if there was 120% and no possibility of even answering that question. Uh, because it may very well be like, we're sort of operating here under the assumption that he won't sign it. They could very well put it in front of him. And he says, great, I want to be here for the, you know, I, I love it here and sign the contract. Um, he strikes me a little bit as a player who um, doesn't like to say much in the media, but wants everybody to understand what he means sometimes um, giving some of these interviews and then coming back and saying that he, you know, they were, he was misinterpreted there, but then not really ever being able to clarify it, which is very <laughs> common for athletes. Like I'm not knocking him as compared to anybody else. It's sure. Sure very difficult to, to sort of hit that, that balance exactly right. Um, but from our out completely outside perspective, we just don't know. And so it would leave it as a sort of, sort of an, it would make next year less fun as a fan, I think, to have that hanging over everything. Um, but 
such as life, right? That you don't, it's not up to us. Uh, but I do, yeah, like I said, I think having it be 140% of 120 instead of 120%. And this very specific thing, more information, I guess, has to be better. Um, and so hopefully it works out and they, you know, it just goes easily and everybody is clear with each other and it's signed, but uh, it, it could get a little, a little sketchier than we would like it to. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Or in Lake All NBA. I mean, it, it'll... Right, that, that could be, it could be solved before the summer hits. If he makes All NBA... I mean, then you have the the conversation of like, all right, are they really know? We we don't know like if they're going to offer him the the full supermax, but they can, and that's one way to just end this whole situation entirely. Um, And we kind of, and that's something we touched on last week. And you you found the answer in the CBA in terms of the the whether players can you know whether a team can offer a percentage of the supermax as opposed to the full supermax, which is worth 35% of the salary cap for players in that range. They can do that. And I actually found out, I did some research, Ryan. I found out the one player right now who has that kind of deal. Can And, and I'm going to go to you. Can you name the, the player who signed a veteran supermax extension, but did not get the full 35% who got less? Well, I should be. Is it Rudy Gobert? It is Rudy Gobert. Is 31%. Okay. All right. I should have remembered that. He got just over, and now that has already turned into one of the worst contracts. Maybe <laughs> no, it turned out to be one of the best contracts ever signed. Of course, for the team. Yeah, I, mean... <laughs> I mean that is true. But it's it's one of the worst contracts held by a team. But it was one of the best contracts signed by a team. That's so true. Um, uh, before yeah, so... we move, uh, before we move on, I'll just go back and mention. Um, I said incentives, right? One of the things that we don't know yet, because there just is not enough clarity around what rules are changing. We haven't heard that anything is changing this. So operating under the assumption that it will still be the case. Extensions by current rule have to carry over the same incentives as the contract being extended. Right. And Jalen does have quite a lot of incentives in, in his contract, um, including ones that I think go up to MVP, maybe. Um, things that would be unlikely for him to get. He has some that have been classified as likely, has some tied to games and games played you know and and how what the team rep team's record is at the end of the year things like that but those incentives as far as i know would still have to carry over into a new regular max contract that all goes out the window if he qualifies for the super max because then you can just go to to the full boat but um i think those would have to carry and and those do do add up to like millions of dollars a year so another point in there where even if he was saying didn't want to say like oh i'm waiting to see if i make all nba next year he could also reasonably come back and and say like well i don't want to have $12 $12 million of salary tied up in, in these incentives. And so I'm going to wait until next year and and sign even for 30% just to get rid of the incentives. Like there, there are a couple of different things in there. That one's not as big as the all NBA question, but as long as that's in the rules, it is another place where he, it could lead him to say, no, I don't want to sign this. Uh, and these are all things that, I mean, every player has agents, or not every player has an agent, you know, almost every player has an agent, but Jalen's history in the NBPA also is, sort of an interesting um calculus in here like would he want to wait to sign the maximum possible because he's a union leader right like there's there's that kind of stuff that that comes in as well Uh, but he certainly understands all of the implications of all of this 
Uh, this is not a player who's reliant on an agent to give him all of the advice. Like he knows what's going on here. Uh, and so again, it's just lines of communication between the team and the player stuff that we will never hear will probably become important unless he just again signs it if he does not sign then then that will become increasingly important next year uh but that is another thing that comes into play that i'm sort of waiting to see if they come back and say well you don't need to carry forward incentives in an extension either as we're trying to loosen up some of the extension rules uh yeah i mean i assume just to figure out like if if the incentives are carried out he's definitely going to say no like to a regular max because like for, for i can't say definite means- but it, it's another thing, right? It's, it's another yeah, that's a pretty, complication. Yeah, it's a pretty big complication to have when you think you're getting a regular max at that level of service with what he's done now and have that be tied to games played and stuff like that. I'm sure that's, you know, could be a pretty big, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, and on that front, I'm curious as this lays out here when they're, if they're chain tweaking it extension, it's like, you know, with the the rookie instec- ex- extension, like that Jason Tatum signed, and that would have been become the supermax if he made All NBA. Whether they would tie, whether they would let teams do something like that for veterans here is to say, okay, Jalen, here's your regular max already. Yeah. Right? Why well, exactly? That that seems like a logical thing. To be like, okay, you can. Here's your regular max, and guess what? This bumps up to the supermax if you make All NBA this upcoming year. Like, think, if that something like yeah. that would be in play or not. So to me, uh, a a rule that would sound more complicated, but would actually simplify some decisions as opposed to making it go to 140% and opening up this sort of wider range of negotiation, all that. And again, you can absolutely look at that and say negotiation is good. And I think that that's preferential and will help whatever. I, I can't disagree with that. But personally, I think keeping the 120% line as that's that point of leverage and saying like, look, agree or not, we're, we're giving you, you want to make it 125%, whatever. I don't care. But like set a line that just says like, this has worked pretty well to this point. And we're going to keep it here and say like, you can agree or not, not agree it uh, for players who are not max players, but to say it's 120% or the full max, no, it's just full max, right? You can't negotiate on anything. If the player wants to sign full years, full dollars, no incentives, no options, no nothing, just you can sign the full max and you can put in the same qualifications on, if you make all NBA that you can put in on a rookie scale extension, then that would have set a better sort of thing. It would have said these in between gray gray areas that are simply not going to sign extensions anyway will continue yeah. to not sign extensions. But on one end, where it's like the Marcus Smart level player, where you can say, look, maybe you can negotiate for another million dollars or so here, but like this is a pretty good line. Or on the the other end, where it's like, well, Jalen Sabonis, whatever, like those players where you can say Sabonis has been traded, so he isn't eligible for the super max. But to get to the thirty percent max, like just setting out that line and saying. Or you can sign this, this whole thing. If the team and the player both want the whole thing, fine. We're not going to argue with that. That's okay as well. I think that would have made a better system going forward, but that's not where they are. So, you know, that, but that's how, what I would have, what I would propose if they, if anybody ever cared to ask me. All right. Well, next, we'll get you in all those meetings next next time. time. I think you have a lot of good ideas to bring on the table here as they continuously leak out here in the, in the, next few weeks as both sides kind of finalize things. Um, I think that's it on the Jalen front as far as it's really, now it's just a waiting game now. And again, I think it's bottom line here. Celtics get, they're going to get a little bit more information in terms of where they think he stands with them. They're going to get a big, big answer here in terms of when he all NBA happens for him this year or not. I think personally all NBA will be much tougher for him next year. If the likes of Duran and, 
LeBron and other a bunch of other guys are healthier for a full season. Um, so I think if it's a cute. We said that I think at the end of last year too. So yeah, I mean that's true. Oh, too. Nobody always gets hurt. That's true. Someone always gets hurt. Um, but he, I don't know. I think yeah. as of right now, like he looks to be in pretty good shape for a spot in the floor too. But again, we won't we won't know that answer for a few weeks. But the, so I suspect, uh... I suspect that the fact that they are putting in the rule for the sixty-five games, which I think is a stupid rule, will signal to influence some the president. Yeah, will influence the president and signal to some voters that someone like Durant, who doesn't make the 65 games, even though he is eligible this year, there will be some number of voters who say, well, they've taken this decision away from me. They want it to be 65 games. and right. so I will not vote for him. and I won't even really consider it, which again, yep. I think is a bad rule. But I suspect that that will happen. Um, I, I think that that rule has some, like, I think it's a bad rule for a variety of reasons that will have some weird consequences on the line in terms of voter behavior. But we'll we'll see about that. Um, can I ask, I got one one basic question for you. Sure. You've looked at all the things that have been leaked with the caveat that there's a ton of stuff we don't know. We don't even know the timing of how some of these things are going to be implemented. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you look at these rules, do you think that it is that they are in total good or bad for the Celtics? Or where the Celtics are today? I think they're bad um, as a whole. I think, I mean, that's based on where, you know, the mid-level going away for them. Um and the fact that they're probably going to be a tax team for the foreseeable future. Um, certainly if like Jalen signs with Supermax, like they're going to, their flexibility is going to be real tight there. Um, Cause I don't think any of the other rules really helps them to any degree. I mean, yeah, they'll get an extra two way contract or something like that to develop guys, but it, is there any way to frame this being good for the Celtics? I, I mean, enlighten me if there is. No. So I agree with you at, at off the top. I think that because of where they are now as a high salary team with, Jalen and certainly Jason down the line getting getting big raises coming in at at some point um, that it's hard like you have to say that it's that it's in net probably bad for the team there are certain there's going to be elements that are good for it, right we just sure. talked about one of them that, that could play out well um, I think that the the totality of changes increases the value of draft picks and being a contending team who has not already traded away all of their draft picks um, and after you know after this next draft is clear they'll have free sailing on all their picks from from there uh, is better than where some of the other teams are, but like compared to the loss of all the things that they're potentially losing and the fact that there's going to be hard decisions that they have to make on players anyway that are now going to become even more difficult as they just look at it and say like, well, if we can't really operate as a team above the second apron line, then what do you do with a Malcolm Brogdon, right? Like right. what's the long-term for that? Does that change the way that you think about can you trade away Peyton Pritchard or do you need to elevate a player who's at a lower salary just to sort of balance out some of those considerations? I think that in general, in the last 20 years of Celtics operations, they've been very good at calibrating the team to the current rules. And so whenever there are rule changes, it tends to hurt them, at least in the short term, because they were closely calibrated to the old rules better than a lot of other teams, because they're just sort of better on the technical aspects than than some other teams have been. Uh, the rest of the league is caught up, certainly, in the last few years. But that that's probably a little bit of the case again here, where they sort of hit their their financial 
benchmarks over the last couple of years of how much the team could spend and how they would build their salary cap. And then to have a lot of things change in terms of like teams that are right in the area of salary that they are will hurt. Now it may be that that doesn't roll in for two or three seasons and then that alleviates some of that. But again, knowing only what we know now, I agree that it seems like it's bad for the team in total, other than some sort of edge case stuff about like, maybe this improves the value of this asset you're holding. And then obviously the thing with Jalen, where if he signs a 30% max, then that may override the value of everything else and say that this worked out well for them. But assuming that he doesn't because of some of the things that we talked about. Yeah. It's hard to couch it as a positive, I think for the team. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see how strict some of these new rules go into play. Like, is it again, I assume maybe next year, like for next off season, there might be a year to adjust for like the mid-level rule for these teams, for the reasons you laid out. It's like, that's pretty tough for these tax teams to immediately go from like, you know, planning out, okay, we're always going to have the mid-level that going away entirely for year yeah. one. So maybe they'll get like a, a mini exception sometime to kind of, you know, toe the middle on that front. But in the past, uh, they've, they've balanced that out with like an amnesty clause, which there seems right. to be no, in, but I think it's a better way to do it would be yeah, rolling it in a little bit over time, sort of phasing it in with some tools like that would be better than an amnesty clause anyway. Uh, but we just don't know. We'll we'll have to see what, what it works out. As you said, it sounds like it's not even on paper in a form that the teams have been able to see yet, right? No. So if, I've if they definitely confirmed that. Know. So like that is, yeah, it, this is going to be dribs and drabs of info coming out. They'll all be pretty interesting based on some of the changes there. Um, Grant Williams, I mean, the other, in this, we have like a minute left just wrapped up here. Grant Williams, nothing really changes, I think, about his situation. He'll get a higher qualifying offer. Uh, as far as his restrict free, free and five year like. deal, get a yeah. five year deal now that he doesn't have to be super max. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But not beyond that, like, I don't think. yeah, that his his market is, I think, going to be is what it is. That's not going to impact much. But, but guess what? The good news, Ryan, we have games, we have important games to talk about going forward as all this stuff comes out. And then we'll have plenty of time to hopefully break it down ahead of the start of free agency this summer here. But, um, in the meantime, make sure you're following Ryan at Danger Cart on Twitter for his um, takes on all things CBA and C's going down to the wire here. And we'll be waiting here uh, the rest of the week to uh, see if everything finishes up like we expected or if there's a curveball thrown a player. What's what's your official prediction on the record? Are you are you all in on Celtic seed first round or you expect a wild card eight seed upset here? Yeah, I think I said last time that I... I... I'm going to pick Toronto to sneak into the AC and then win that first round. Mm. Um, I don't know. They're, those are all 50-50 games, right? I, I think no matter who plays in it. So all you can do is wait and see. Um, and, and one last thing is go Huskies. There you go. <laughs> they That's won my first game I have to care about. Care more about <laughs> that than I care about the playing game. <laughs> all right. Well, the rest of the world will be watching that one tonight. In the meantime, we'll uh, get back to the season on, on Tuesday. <laughs>